0: And we've got a lot of material to cover in a short time, so I'm going to kind of give you the essence of what we want to talk about today. It is about the gifts of the Spirit. Now last week, historically, a little over 2,000 years ago, God did what Jesus said would be done. That is, he sent the Holy Spirit, which is another comforter, it is a guide, it it is a counselor. Uh, this is what Jesus said: a power from on high that would come in the form it was God Himself, God the Holy Spirit. And the apostles' lives were changed as a result of that. And that the Holy Spirit, with the coming of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives to His people gifts. He came, God sent the Holy Spirit as a gift to us. Remember it said, repent and be baptized and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit itself is a gift to each and every one of us. And to each one of us, God gives to us gifts. And one, two, three, some people are more gifted than others and the like. We recognize that. People, uh, as for example, the parable that Jesus gives to us, and so we, we don't need to be offended by those things, that other people may have more gifts, uh, because Jesus gives us a parable, you know, one he gave ten pounds, another he gave five pounds, another he gave two pounds. And then, of course, Jesus' question in that parable, what did you do with it? And so the question for us is, what, is, what are the gifts that God has given to us individually? And how are we using them? That's part of the question. And the other part of the question is, what are the gifts that God has given to, let's say, those sitting here in our congregation, that you recognize our gifts in other individuals? Whether or not they fully recognize, you recognize it as being a gift in their life. Now, what we have to understand about the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gifts that God has given to us is that they are given to us to be used for the common good of the body of Christ. That is the reason, in part, for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now, we must also understand why there are several reasons why this is important to discuss today in our lives. One of which, I'm just discussing it historically, because last week being Pentecost, and and reminding us of that... But I also want to discuss it from the context that we live in a spiritual world. There are a lot of people who are very spiritual. And they talk about their spirituality that they have. What we want to look at, and so that we understand some of these things, is how the, that spirit works in a person's life. We also want to take a look at what the Apostle Paul, and that's had to, uh, to tell the church at Rome, and that's why I had my wife read what Paul had written here in Romans chapter 8. And now there are a couple of interesting things I want us to understand about chapter 8. It, and what is probably one of the most intriguing scriptures uh, for me in, in this regard, in terms of uh, what Paul has to say, he talks about us being led by the Spirit of God, that we are sons of God.
1: So the Spirit brings us into
0: a relationship with God and we know then that we are his sons. It also says that God did not give us a spirit of fear, and uh, that is not the kind of spirit that we have, and of course it's recorded in 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, that God is not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And <clears throat> sound mind is, is very important for us to understand as well in this regard. But then it tells us, by the Spirit we cry, Abba, Father. That is, the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, this is an introduction to two spirits, God's Spirit and our Spirit. And it testifies, and it would suggest to us that we cannot know fully that we are sons of God unless God's Spirit is unites with our spirit to help us to believe that and to have that kind of relationship with God as Jesus has pointed out and continues to point out our heavenly father he he helps us to realize that God is our heavenly father we of course know by scripture John 17 verse 3 that eternal life the definition as given by Jesus is this eternal life John 17:3 is to know the Father and the Son whom he has sent. So that's very important. Now, I want to di- digress for a moment because I've been watching some intriguing things with my wife on television about the brain. And they were doing a, a thing on the brain, and since I deal with mental health with individuals, I found this intriguing. They were doing one on parenting and how the the neurons in the brain affect parenting. And what they have been able to discover and to actually manipulate is they're able to take, for example, a primate who, in, in this particular case, is not parental. In other words, uh, the, the baby is born, the father, the other primate doesn't have anything to do with it. Or in the case like rats, uh, they mate and then the other rat doesn't have anything to do with it. Or another male rat may come in and take the pups and, and kill them it has no parental well they're able to take neut- neutrons uh, discover which neutro- neurons rather work in there and they're able to alter them instantaneously by putting light into them and it changes those that would normally eat or kill the pups into a- a one who has love and a parental instinct about it wow is right and they talk about how this happens. Now, also in the same context, it's kind of interesting. I was watching an astrophysicist talk about the universe and about the, um, your chemical chart. Why can't I think of the name of the chemical chart? Uh, all the chemicals. Yeah, yeah. the periodic table. That In 1957, four scientists together were able to discover that all the chemicals on the periodic table came from nuclear fusion inside stars and when those stars exploded then all those chemicals because they form different chemicals under the pressure of the heat and all of that under fusion um, make up basically everything that is made up of man so the conclusion is that we can say that we are stardust now There's a point that I want to establish here. In in none of these things are we giving God credit. First of all, we're stardust. Where did the star come from? You know, you may have the fusion, you have all these elements and all, but where did the star come from? Where did the neutron come from? And by the way, where did this light come from? So, we ask that question to set that aside because we're going to add all this in our little beaker as we go along. Now, we also have to ask ourselves some questions about the spirit, you know, because God says that everything that was created was created out of nothing. Nothing that we know, but God created all things. And it tells us here that God's spirit unites with our spirit. Spirit isn't a neutron. Or anything like that, spirit isn't an atom, or anything like that is it is spirit. And what, And what kind of uh, support might we have for that? Because oftentimes we put a great deal of emphasis on our humanity, which is not wrong in that regard. But Jesus makes an interesting statement. He says, "The flesh profits nothing. That isn't what of real value, what is of real value is the spiritual and that there is, a, there is a God who isn't, who isn't um, made out of flesh. But however, we know that God came, Jesus came in the form of humanity. He was made flesh and blood. He was one of us. He was, he's our high priest. He's tempted. He dwells at the right hand of God. He's our intercessor. He is all of those things. He is the one who redeems us, reconciles us, you know, forgiveness, all that comes through him. Now with that thought in mind and we think about spirituality and we think about the spiritual gifts we have to do some discerning along this line. In our world today when we think about spiritual gifts oftentimes people may find one or two or whatever and they consider them to be the primary gift. This is more important than others. And actually this is a question that the Apostle Paul was addressing and we're going to get to Quickly here in First Corinthians chapter twelve, the interesting thing that parallels with our society today is Corinth. Corinth was a city on the isthmus there where you know it was very short um, distance between one sea and the other, and now they have a canal where shipping you know could go through that canal. But before that, they raised the ships out of the water, they rolled them across and onto the next to cut off the, the pat you know shorten the passage and like. So it was a very cosmopolitan city. It was a city of a lot of gifted people, talented people, intellectual people, and all of that. And Paul had a little difficulty with it. Because in their giftedness, and here's the issue that I do want us to kind of understand, is that when we think about spiritual giftedness, it is not human giftedness that we're talking about. It is spiritual giftedness. And it is God working Holy Spirit working in our life that makes a difference and it also goes back to the point of where does the glory and where does the credit go to so when I hear these scientists talk about all of these things they talk about the evolutionary process but there is a dismissal or at least
1: an absence
0: of acknowledgement of an incredible creator God a glorious God who is relational with us, who's given us the ability to think, to do, to parent. He's made us in his image, which is awesome and wonderful. So, now, the connection for us today is this, and the importance is, on the one hand, we can be very spiritual and be so far away from God. Because not every spirit is of God. We have to understand that. We live in a world where Jesus, again, reminds us he encountered the devil, he encountered Satan. So in Paul's case in, in Corinth, the, the one spiritual gift that was considered better than all the other gifts, and it, it still applies in part uh, in our world today, that delineates or made people feel superior to one another was the gift of tongues. That was considered the ultimate gift. And so, what we're going to see, though, in Paul's letter to them, I think is a better understanding of, of the Holy Spirit and the working in God's life. So, on the one hand, if you're not careful in terms of the speaking in tongues, the, the problem ends up being is that you're better than others. Uh, you are comparing yourself to others, and generally others are lesser than you. And you're missing the point of what God is doing. So let's take a quick look and it's going to have to be a brief look today at this, but hopefully we can do it, kind of give you an overview of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So here's how Paul addresses this, First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brothers, In the view of God's mercy, to offer, well, I'm in Romans, and that doesn't sound like 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. Now, about spiritual gifts. So Paul begins to address this. Brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is a curse, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So, here are a couple of points that we should learn from this: If a person is speaking by the Spirit of God, led by the Spirit of God, God's Holy Spirit, they they are going to recognize that you are not led astray by mute idols. That the focus of the Holy Spirit, and remember, this is what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit: the Holy Spirit will not speak about Himself, but He will speak of Me and glorify Me. So, in our very spiritual world, uh, spiritual world, higher power world, all of those things, what we have oftentimes, if we're not careful, is a insistence that they're spiritual that they're godly when indeed if it is directed towards mute idols, whether that be Buddha, you know, Hindu, something like that, whether it be some nature worship, whether, and I'll just put it out there, Zen. You know, the Zen, you know, everything is good and I'm in I'm in line with the universe and I got all my stars together and all of these things wait a minute, where, where is God in, in, in all of this? That represents a distortion of or a distraction from Jesus because the Holy Spirit comes from God. Jesus lives his life in and through us by the Holy Spirit and, and we end up giving attention or direction, love, care, concern, or credit to, to that which is a mute idol. We missed the point there. So Paul is warning them about that. And then, another thing, if in our spirituality we deny Jesus, then the spirit is misleading, misguiding, even though it is the spirit. Now, if you think that should not be a concern, and we naively think that everything that is done spiritually is godly, let us be reminded Going back to the Old Testament, the example of Moses and the magicians and the Soothsayers in, in Moses' day. Moses' staff was turned, you know, from a staff into a snake. It was it was a miracle. The soothsayers also performed incredible miracles that made people believe and but distorted them and turned them away from God. That hasn't changed. And why do we know that it hasn't changed? Because you, you can dismiss it. But let's remember two things. Let's go back historically all the way back to the book of Genesis and what did the serpent in the garden do? It distorted God. In the New Testament in Second Corinthians chapter 11 I believe in verse 14 it talks about Satan himself transformed into an angel of light then we also have in Matthew chapter 4 the encounter that Jesus had himself with the devil in the wilderness. So, so we, we know there is a, a spiritual world and we know there is distortion. And Satan is a great deceiver, he is a murderer, he's a liar from the beginning. So that makes it important that we understand uh, about spirituality and the life and the gifts of the Spirit. So then he goes on to say there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. So the source is the same, but there are different kinds of gifts. But there's different kinds of service, but the same Lord, there are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now, so, we find here, God, the Holy Spirit, giving us different gifts. The focus is on Christ, The, the focus and the understanding is on that God gives each and every one of us some gifts. Now, I do want to go back for just for clarity's sake and that I'm not hanging this on my own ideas or philosophies or whatever, but rather on the apostles in First John chapter 4, so that we see and understand we're talking about spirits. Because one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is discernment of the spirit. So here's what Paul, uh, John rather, says in First John 4 verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Now, we have a lot of people who acknowledge that Jesus was a, a prophet. But they do not acknowledge him as God in the flesh. So John is telling us, if recognize that it has come in the flesh is from God... But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. I mean, he makes it quite clear here. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which is you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. And this is what he says of them. Dear children, you are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And so he gives us a contrast between us and the world. They are from the world, and therefore they speak of the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. Now, when I hear, you know, scientists go on, and they talk about all these great things, but there's a dismissal of God in all of this, that's the viewpoint of the world. I'm a firm believer there is a God who created everything. There is a Lord Jesus who came from God, who sits at the right hand of God, who made everything. You know, the scriptures tell us that. Now, are, are the things that they discover miraculous and wonderful? They're awesome. You know, ne- neutrons and all these things. Uh, in fact, they had one on the same program, or another program on the brain, And they were talking about how they actually were able to put light into certain neurons in the brain and change a person instantly from angry to happy. Changed it just like that. Light. Well, light changes us as well, I'm going to suggest. Because light has come into our world. Anyway, it goes on to say, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us, and this is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. So we find two spirits here, one of truth and one of falsehood. So going back now to to the book of Corinthians about the the different um, gifts that are given, we find here a listed several things. We find first of all there's a diversity but the same spirit. Now one of the points that is very important to recognize for all of us is this in terms of the spirit. If there's diversity in the spirit here's one of the lessons that we must learn and understand. No one has them all. By the way others have gifts of the spirit that you need. Man cannot do without. Now, let's take a look at the physical world when God created man. Man by himself is not complete. Man cannot say, one, I don't need woman. That's ridiculous. Man cannot say, as well, I am better than woman. Man also cannot say, ridiculous, I don't need God. I made myself. Just call me Dusty. I was Dusty yesterday, and now I'm man. And of course, you've got a mate. You'll say you're just dirt. <laughs> Let's get back to reality. Anyway, no, we need other people and other people's gifts. Now, think of this in terms of Christmas. Look at it this way. Come one is that let's say it's Christmas Day you get up and here's you and God gives you a gift and you look at it and you say well Lord this ain't much of a gift this, does, this doesn't seem very valuable you, you gave him that gift and I want his gift I don't want this which is saying to God you don't know what you're doing you don't know what you're giving to me on one hand. But there's another point here that we also have that parallels with Christmas.
1: What is it on Christmas
0: that God gave to us all? He gave us the gift of His Son. All of us have His Son. That is the great gift that God has given to us. So there's a common thread there of a common gift that God, a common, uncommon gift on the one hand. On the other hand, we also, with the coming of the Holy Spirit, that is a gift that God gave. It's the same spirit. The gifts are different. So, now, if, if I unappreciate or devalue the gift that somebody else has been given by God, what am I saying about God, and what am I saying about that person? People have been given different talents, and And I need to appreciate the gift that God has given my brother and my sister. I also need to appreciate the gift that God has given to me. You know, I can't take an attitude of of the manna attitude. What's this, Lord? You know? No, I can't have that kind of attitude because God has given to me exactly what He wants me to have. And that is said here in, in, in the book of Corinthians here in Paul's direction and there are different gifts and so we have to appreciate it and so the problem or the point is it demonstrates our need for each other an appreciation for others' giftedness and a connecting and a bonding of the body of Christ because these gifts are compared to the body of Christ so let's take a look at some of your unappreciated gifts how about your bladder
1: I mean, if you've been
0: just, well, Lord, I'm just thankful for your, my bladder and all that. Well, as you get older, you might say, well, Lord, I'm very thankful that I yeah. well, your eyesight, you know, your get, the hearing you have, you know, your gallbladder, how about your pituitary gland, thyroid. Because if your thyroid's not functioning correctly, you've got a great chance of being depressed. You know the, how the body parts are put together you know all the visceral stuffs about about our humanity but there, God has put it in the body each part to function and without it we don't do well so God's work in diversity within the body and appreciating all of that now verse seven as we go on now to each one the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good now. The gifts that God gives to us, the Holy Spirit, are for common good. It's not, it's my gift, and I am unwilling to share it. You all, all of us have gifts. I think about Clara. Here's a gift of Clara, here's a gift of Jeanette. The spirit of unity. Now, how how does the spirit of unity work in your life? You folks are black. in a white church all your years. Did you, were you deficient? No, you're not. You're led by you have a unity, um, and you know it's a, it's an appreciation because unity is a great gift from God to be unified, even though you may be mistreated, overlooked, or whatever, underappreciated. Again, it is a gift, and my response to your gift should be one of also of love and of care and of brotherhood and of. Again, a response to that and an appreciation for all of those things that you do because I am no better than any of you we are made we are children of God because this is what it tells us the gifts are to Jews and Gentiles male and female bond and free it is the Holy Spirit that brings us into a relationship with God it isn't a day it, you know, it isn't laws that bring us. It is the Holy Spirit that make us His children. The sign of God's children in the Old Testament was the Sabbath. It is the sign between God and His people. The sign in the New Testament is the Holy Spirit. If God gives the person His Spirit, they are His. They belong to Him. So anyway, we see this. And, and to one there is given to the spirit the message of wisdom another begin to delineate wisdom, knowledge, same spirit faith, again gifts of healing, another miraculous powers, of prophecy distinguish, and, and it says here distinguishing between spirits to another speaking in different tongues and still another interpretation some people are gifted at tongues, they speak five, six languages and it just comes just like that, there are kids that are gifted with. a uh, you know, mathematical skills. I was reading; my wife was reading to me about some four-year-old uh, who was in menza at age four had three college degrees at age eleven. I think. I don't know, but yeah. But you know, it's
1: they just get it.
0: They have incredible giftedness in them. But it goes on to tell us here. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them, each one, just as he determines. God gives these gifts as he's determined. Now, that says another big point here. That it is God who decides and divides who gets which gift. And it requires us to appreciate what God has done, and it also requires us to glorify God for what he has done for other people and not to complain about what God has given to us. Because He gives us, in some cases, one, two, or whatever. And the example of the parable, the person buried it. And you know what they said? you remember what the person said who buried it? I knew, I knew, you were an austere God. Absolutely. Where would you get that? That you're an austere God. Because I give one, you two, pounds and this and five, I'm an austere God because I give this man a penny at the end of the day, work I'm an austere God I give you life, I'm an austere God no, God is a great and a glorious God to whom we give credit then he goes through the, the analogy of the body verse 12, that is there's one body and many members, that shows the importance of church fellowship we belong to the body because it's like wouldn't it be easy to come in here if you had only one leg or no legs or no arms or no sight you know we, we help one another God has given us and there is giftedness in the diversity of the body now Paul then goes on and talks about the aches and pains of the body in verses 15 through 26 because the body complains and we're no different even though we're given gifts Let's read some of how this goes. He's writing here in verse 15. If the foot say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. This is a real life situation. We want, well, because I'm not a deacon, because I'm not an elder, because I'm not a man, because I'm not this, I'm not that, I don't belong. Come on, Paul said, get real. We all have our part to play. And it's about being self-centered and realizing, well, what would we do without the hand? You know, what would we do without the thumb? The opposing finger, finger, the thumb, because we can do so many things. I was trying to pick up a needle yesterday. So, I, I, actually, the big boy had a splinter in his finger.
1: <laughs> so I
0: had Nurse Karen working, trying to get it. So I'm trying to pick up a needle off the table. So these big, fat fingers, you know, working and, and I am rolling it all around, all over the place. And finally, she says, look, here. And she just reaches down, her delicate, picks the thing right up. But see, I can't do that, you know, because these are just sausages, really. They're just fat fingers and the like. Now, my wife likes my fingers, though. She says, oh, those... I like your hands. That's just funny. And I like the fact that she likes it. makes me feel good that she likes it. Because be good massage and all of that. Anyhow, so you can't do that. It would not, for the, for the reason, cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not the eye,
1: I do not belong
0: to the body, it would not be for the reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, we'd be a cyclops. Oh my! Could you imagine what just an
1: eye? Yes,
0: you could see, but not hear. All the things that so he again is reminding us. He goes on to tell us we're all part of the body, the many parts. So he cannot say that. And then he says here, reminds us, verse twenty that I cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Here's where the gifts of the Holy Spirit come in. Other people have gifts of the Holy Spirit. We cannot say to them, I don't need you. I don't need your encouragement. I don't need your your spirit of exhortation. I don't need your comfort. I don't need your kindness. I don't need your patience. I don't need your unity. I don't need you. No, we need all the gifts that God has given to the body. We, you know, and, and we talk about this. I, you know, I, I could do a sermon, but if nobody showed up, do I need people? Yes, I do. You know, I, I think about, and I've mentioned this, it's, it's like church is home. It, it, it's a need that we have to feel at home, and God gives us a family to do that and to enjoy. So, we've, we've, we realize that God has placed us in the body as it pleased Him. And in that, there's appreciation for it, and we stop complaining. God's busy. There is no part that's unneeded, and that the body cares for one another. It does care for one another. You know, if you've got an itch, it's nice to have a hand to scratch it. And the line. And if you've got an itch that's back here,
1: you know, and you can't
0: reach it, it's nice to have some. And, you know, if you need a pat on the back, it's nice to have some. But i always remind you, a pat on the back is only 18 inches from the kick in the rear. So, it's, sometimes we see, I'll leave it to that. Not, not really, I don't think that'll go down the
1: philosophical
0: <laughs> proverbs of all time. Be careful. Anyhow, so everybody cares. And we have different responsibilities. And there's some surprising gifts. Giving is a gift of God to be able to be the kind of giver that God says you ought to be God says a giver ought to be a cheerful giver and there's a blessing in being a cheerful giver the one that I marvel at is mercy there is a spirit of mercy in being merciful and it says uh, in in reminding us of that in mercy it uh, follows that up by saying uh, with, kind of like with joy that you're happy to be merciful because growing up as a kid we used mercy games that is my brother was five years old had my arm behind my back and you know down on the ground and you know say uncle and you know you're begging for mercy and the like you know and he wasn't cheerful to let me up oh I'm just so happy to let you up and be merciful said, no no that doesn't it didn't work back there There's a spirit of hospitality. There are gifts. But the point being is that God gives those gifts to share. And so we're gifted by the Holy Spirit. But it is an appreciation for what God is doing, has done in our life, that He is the giver of all good gifts. And every gift that God has given us, the Holy Spirit has given is to be shared. It is to be shared. There is no gift that God gives you that's just for you. Now, having said all this, this, these gifts that God has given to us will lead us to a more excellent way, which is the next chapter in the book of Corinthians. And Paul says, I'll show you a more excellent way if I do all of these things and I have not love. You see, and when we understand the gifts that God has given to us, how merciful, how kind, what a a great blesser He is, because I think there is a, there, there are blessings of the Holy Spirit that all of us in part have. Not, first of all, we the fruits of the Spirit. But what the, what are the, some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is how Jesus generalized the description that the Holy Spirit is comforting, is a, a guide, is a counselor in our life. And then when the Spirit of God unites with our spirit... That's where the emotion, the passion for God really comes out. That's why Paul says, Abba, Father, which is basically dear Father. The Spirit brings us into a relationship with God and a relationship with one another, those gifts. And in that way, we do what the commandment has always been about. We love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and being, and we love our neighbor as our self. So, May God's spirit and his gifts rest upon you may you rejoice in them and may we enjoy them with you
1: let's conclude in prayer
0: Father we thank you for your blessings we thank you for everyone here guide and direct us Father to your glory to your praise and honor and in Jesus name we ask that you would lead us and guide us and direct us and we thank you in his name Amen Feeling the blues today? Or tired of life already? Do you have questions about life? or need spiritual advice. The Worldwide Church of God is located in Fairfield, Santa Rosa, and Modesto, California. We welcome everyone to attend our worship services with us every week at the times listed on your screen.